Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Today's guest is an inspired leader that has a tremendous amount of experience in the hospitality space. It started with finance, but he found a passion for restaurants. He and his wife, they took over an existing concept that had been multiple ownerships and they rebranded and they literally started with a blank slate and now they're franchising this business. And there's so many key learnings here, but literally hospitality, leadership, staff training, quality, reasonable prices, portions, but all the systems about working on your business, not in it so that you can grow a business, but also find the balance here. Um, They're doing breakfast, lunch, and brunch, which allows them to spend time with their family after hours, afternoons and evenings, dinners at home. Um, Dan, my guest, is coaching his his daughter's teams and and his son's teams. And it's rare in this business to be able to find that kind of balance. So I'm speaking with um, Dan from a concept called Grumpies. You're not going to want to miss this episode. It's got everything. Thank you to our sponsors for this episode. Going to want to miss this, so listen on. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Listen, when I ran restaurants, I had my core values, the things most important to how I ran my restaurants, monitoring daily operations, training my team for consistently great guest experiences, food safety, quality assurance, and preventative maintenance. All this took a system. Well, here's what Xenia can do. Xenia gives you a modern app, really an operational base camp that scales standard operating procedures, trains your team, controls operations, and even manages food safety. Now, I really like their sensors that continuously monitor temperature for fridges and freezers so you can proactively prevent inventory losses. Now, how valuable is that? Now, whether managing a single or multiple locations, the Xenia app helps you ensure consistency, compliance, and accountability across your operation. You can see full detail in real time from anywhere in your Xenia dashboard with automated reports right to your inbox. Now, again, this was vital in my restaurants. Now, until September 7th, Xenia is offering my listeners 20% off. Xenia starts at just $69 per month per location. So get my special deal at www.xenia, Xenia is spelled X-E-N-I-A, dot team slash rockstars. There are many elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with diners enough and with the right message? Could your kitchen be putting out more orders than your dining areas have room for? Well, it can be overwhelming, especially when the reason you got into this business is for the food and the people. That's why restaurants get Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the marketing tech platform designed to make growing your restaurant easy, so you don't have to grow it alone. With Pop Menu, you can capture more guests and their preferences through your restaurant's website that's designed to easily collect contact information and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. Connect and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that personalizes marketing. Make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of your restaurant's digital presence. Pop Menu has a special offer for my listeners. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Dan, welcome to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, we're going to talk all about grumpies and your success with your concept. But tell us first about your hospitality backstory. Where did it all begin for you and how'd you get into this business? Well, I, I got into this business uh, after college. Um, I was a financial advisor. I went to the University of Florida and it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be the Wolf of Wall Street and be an investment banker and do all that good stuff. But I was here in Jacksonville. Um working for Merrill Lynch. And I thought, I'd, you know, I wanted to own my own business and do something more and explore my entrepreneurial spirits. And I became a franchisee with a company called Pita Pit. And then from there, blossom into another concept. So I own multi-units of, of that, of other concepts. Um, and then the road took me to selling, you know, my interest in, in my other franchise I was with, and then going, working for RBI, 
the company that owns Tim Hortons, Popeye's, Burger King. Mm-hmm. And then going on from there, uh, you know, I thought I could do it on my own. I thought we could make a great brand. And um, so me and my wife took such a leap, leap of faith, purchased Grumpy's and turned it into what it is today. Now, that's a fantastic story. So you've got the financial acumen, but you also worked for some of the leading franchise companies out there. So you kind of had the framework in mind and what you had to go through to set this up as a franchise and then obviously sell franchises and be successful with that. So Grumpy's was an established business. And how many units did it have when when you got involved? When we got involved, Grumpy's is actually a restaurant here uh, since 1999. And it had changed hands six or seven times here in my local area. Yeah. And, and um, changed visions a few times. Also, dinner restaurant. They tried to do a French bistro. So really, when we purchased it, it was really facing closure. And we, we you know, did a total overhaul, resurgence of the brand. We went, you know, we took it back to just doing breakfast and lunch, American style, traditional Americana. Um and everything we did, we set up for replication because at the same time we were we were developing, we were launching our franchise program. We tripled sales in less than two years and launched our franchise program. And now we have five units open. Oh, wonderful. That's that's terrific. So what was the trajectory of opening the new units based on Okay, I heard you had a blank slate pretty much. Obviously, the price was right because the place was on the verge of closure. You kept the name and then you expanded and really built a brand into more than much more than what it was. So, how yeah. long did it take you to go from say 1 to 5 units? So, from going from 1 to 5 units, it took from 2018 uh mm-hmm. through the pandemic and, and today we have, we actually opened stores, you know, through the pandemic. Uh, we really didn't start franchising until 99, I'm sorry, 2019, 2019. Um, yep. but really we launched in 2019, but we didn't act, you know, officially start really getting geared up until 2020. Yes. Um, and then we opened our second location. We have four franchise owned locations, uh, and we've just been rolling them with a goal of, you know, one to two a year and then moving to where we are today. Uh, but you know, even if we don't hit that, you know, timing's always wild. So some stores that we've done with with developments, um, you know, it's tough to get those new store developments in strip malls or shopping centers, you know, to be on target and, and, and on that time frame. But um, it's it's been good for us. We've used that to our advantage so we can plan and utilize our resources, you know, uh, mostly manpower uh, and people power. Now, you've clearly built a brand here. So let's talk a little bit about that. Again, we, we kept the name Grumpies and it's sort of an irreverent sort of name and there's a grumpy in the kitchen but you've got a tagline where everybody leaves happy and all that kind of stuff but as a blank slate like how did you market this business and how did you change the vibe and the sort of aura around it to create the buzz that you did to then be able to sell the concept to others even though you you've dialed in the original location which we're going to get to but tell us about the the process of of, of creating a brand because it's so important to a restaurant. I'm a huge believer in not running a restaurant, but building a brand. And that leads to so many additional profit centers and it leads to social media and people really feeling a part of that brand. And that's what we call affinity. But tell us what your process was to do that. Yeah, de- definitely is what we did. You know, we we're strategic from the beginning. So we, we thought Grumpy's had a good name. Grumpy's restaurant, home of the bad mood dude. We brought in the tagline, no one leaves Grumpy. Right. We, we updated and recreated the logo and the grumpy character and all all of the, the good stuff around that. And then we launched a um, marketing program and and merchandise lines with that Grumpy's brand. Um, we've taken that Grumpy's logo in-house to a very detailed branding on our China platters, coffee mugs, cups, silverware roll, uh, napkin bands and Grumpy's little mini flags on pancakes to really awesome. lift off the branding right um to get the branding and the awareness really for all, all those things for being social media worthy right instagram worthy pictures with our logo in the background logo Smart. on the platter yep. um and then playing off of the character right we we launched multiple other merchandise brands off of that we have our fishing team where grumpy's holding a fishing pole we have our uh grumpy strong where grumpy's you know got his shirt ripped off and flexing uh there um so we, we have a few yeah absolutely we have a cool. few other lines our our hunting club our surf team you know our golf club um uh, things like stuff, that yeah. yeah all all florida based fun. like very fun. yeah 
Absolutely. And then it's a great Grumpy's character that the children like, right? The coloring menus and things like that. Uh, Grumpy's, we got the Grumpy's tattoos for all the little kids that come in. So we really play off of that branding and marketing early, right? What we didn't have when we first took over, we noticed we had a great retiree base, customer base, and um, working class. Uh, But we didn't have a lot of families or the younger demographics um, coming in and we really updated the menu and things to make more Instagram worthy type cooler items to, uh, to impact the, the children, the younger demographics. So we have a little bit for everyone. And we re- that really helped and worked really good um, in building the brand and building the brand awareness and then turning our culture into what it is today. Right. You know, that's so smart. Um, I had a family oriented a series of concepts as well. And we always believe that if you serve families in general, that the kids often determine where they want to go to eat. And they tell the parents, hey, let's go here because we want to go to the fun place. And they often dictate where the family eats out. So if you capture the kids' attention, make it super fun for them, that's like marketing unto itself because the kids market the business for you. And that's obviously what's happening for your business. The tattoos is a great idea. You know, that's, that's terrific. We used to have dumb, dumb lollipops and the treasure chest and the kids prizes. And we had a wood fired pizzeria. So we'd give them pieces of dough to play with. And we went so far as to create a kid's camp on Sundays where we had a camp counselor that was entertaining the kids while the family, while the parents were dining, we had arcade games. It's like the cranes and the candy, you know, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's like, you can't do too much for the kids. And it's a huge boon to the business. And you're obviously tapping into that. That is super cool. Now you made a decision. You mentioned that Grumpy sort of changed concepts here and there, and you guys made a decision to do breakfast, lunch, and brunch. Can you explain why? And you're obviously finding that to be super profitable segments, but there's another reason as well, right? Yeah, a huge order. A huge reason for us is quality of life, right? Um, Not only do I love the breakfast, lunch, and brunch space and food and menus and American style Route 66 style diner food um, is something that I like and feel passionate about, but also, you know, it's really big for us for quality of life and our franchisees. Um, You know, I coach my kids sports, pick my kids up from school every day. Uh, So dinner's just not in the cards, right? We, we, we want to be home at that time and with our families. And we think it just has such a valuable aspect uh, to the industry to do that and have those limited hours, you know, it creates a little bit of novelty too. makes it more of an experience. Um, Some people can't come to us, right? Only those days off of work, those government holidays and things like that, or on the weekends, um, which we love that. We we think that's really cool too. It builds the, helps build the buzz and excitement around the brand, but mostly for us, it's that quality of life and family time that we just don't want to miss out on. Thank you for sharing because that is so rare in this business. There's so many operators out there where they're not running the business. The business is running them. It's mm-hmm. seven days a week. It's long hours. It's all day. It's late at night. It's like you're missing your kids grow up, their graduations, their soccer games, all that kind of stuff. And you made a conscious choice to say, no, I can find a balance in my life. I can have a successful business. But I think we're touching on systems here because you wouldn't be able to have that big picture, 30,000 foot view of your business if you were working in it. You worked on it, created a concept, and now you're franchising it. And you've got the best of both worlds. You're building a successful business. You're you're finding the right people that follow your philosophies, the guiding light of what this business, you know, what it's core is all about and you're duplicating that so there's a huge lesson there were there any challenges at first in say creating these systems because you'd seen it all before with some leading companies but what were some of the challenges on your journey to getting to where you are today if you yeah. can remember those a big challenge in replicating our exact system here from our from our flagship location is <laughs> this layout this has been a restaurant for over 50 years so it, it actually started off as a house three editions right so it, it's it's not laid out as you would ever decide to build anything you know and we're oh. limited to what we can do in the kitchen a little and disjointed and it's not perfectly designed no not at all i mean when we first took over the 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 third one of the third editions in the back of the building is where they put the dish dishwashing area the dish pit right yeah there was floor drains and, and I'm looking around like, what's going on here? We're yeah, just going to get the water out back. And, you know, so we yeah. had, a, you know, that's one of the first projects we took on is 
tying into the existing plumbing, you know, and we got it as good as we could. We were able to put some trench drains and everything that you really need in a dish pit. Um, but the fall is not great. And, you know, you know, guys who are, and girls who've done the operating know that they know what I'm talking about when they hear that. They know what they experience. So we got it really good. We have actually everything working awesome. But challenge being, we knew when we go to an, a, a newer space, let's say an end cap of a strip center, the cook line is going to be a little bit different of a design. It's, it won't be chopped up. It's going to be a 25-foot cook line, right, to be more efficient, assembly line style, um, a little bit different than our flagship location. We get the job done here, um, but, but, man, it would be awesome if we had that extra eight, nine feet, right, to have our cook line just continuous instead of a little bit around the corner and then the prep room down two steps and to the side and the dish room down another step and in the back. So it's all it, – it's fun. It works. Um, if people come see the site, they're going to say, "How this is insane!" You know how we do the volume we do out of out of this location. The other ones, they see the kitchen, dishwashing area, how the U works, and everything. Conveyor, double conveyor, dishwasher machines. Right? We don't have the luxury of having that. A little bit more old school here, right? A little bit more labor of love for 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 everyone. Um, you're rubbing shoulders on the on the line like for you sure. wouldn't believe. We're tight. Right. Uh, but there's just no way to, way to change it currently hmm. unless we do, you know, close and scrape and rebuild and things like that. But when you're starting and, and you have this location that, that's such a neighborhood setting, we really don't we don't want to move. Right. We, we don't want to go to another location and build your traditional, you know, sterile environment we like the character we like having to make it fit and make it work a little bit some people will call me crazy for taking that on right they just want to base rectangle stamp it in boom plans go we can take the plans from each site to everyone but for us it's okay to to, to be a little bit different and fit the neighborhood setting that we're in um i actually pr- would prefer that and like that um now my is good right you got yeah. history you got tradition and and now it's fun. I mean, it works. You've proven that it works. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the, you're the model for obviously the stores, but now knowing what you know, and you're designing stores for maximum efficiency, but it's sure. really cool that you can go back to the character of this is where it all began. And we mm-hmm. keep it because tradition, history, and we like it just the way it is. And there's a marketing story in that too, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely, and and then also it's a testament to our to our team members because we're you know we have some of the optimal locations right designed on paper, perfect cook line, brand new equipment, perfect everything right, twenty five feet of hoods, twenty five and a half feet of a cook line, we have everything, additional grill, additional KDS screens, you name it, D- uh, double the amount of fryer space that we currently have. Somehow, we're able to hear hit the same numbers, if not better, than those amazingly set up stores. That's really a testament to our crew. It is, you for know, sure. We'll awesome. always do a lot, a lot of the training here, uh, but then, you know, our franchisees and, 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 and their team members will moonlight at the newer locations also. So they can see exactly what their layout's going to work. But the flow's the same, right? The cooking's the same. The quality's the same. The communication's the same. The assembly line's the same. A little bit smaller of area, so you got to be really good. I call it Tetris. You know, trying to put pancakes down on the grill, find the spot. It just, you know, it's 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 fun. It's that short order cooking. It's the hustle and bustle. Um, and then you know our our teams do really well, and they feed off of that. They feed off of competing with the other locations that have that second fryer and that extra thirty six inches of grill space. You know that we're, we're not able to 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 afford here. Um, so, so it's a cool, it's a cool thing to see. And then we were able to do our Neptune beach location a little bit like that to change it up a little bit. And it works really well. Also. Do the different locations take on the character of the local communities in any way? Um, obviously standardization is very important in a franchise. You got to have consistency of menu, consistency of decor, making sure that the experience is the same from Jacksonville to Neptune to here to there. And as you grow, but adding a little community flavor works too. And then having certain autonomy. Let's talk about consistency versus autonomy and what these franchisees can do that just adds to your brand versus detracts from the mission. Yeah. So we have the basic concept of Grumpy's, right? Breakfast, lunch, and brunch. We have the set menu. We have all the operations, same that you would with a very standardized franchise concept. 
Um, but what we like to do is really listen to our franchisees and the communities they're in or going into, right? Uh, for example, you know, at, at, at our Neptune Beach location, big thing for us was to have a bike rack. It's at the beach population. It's very mm-hmm. traveled. Yep. Cruisers, we needed a space for the bike parking. Um, you know, here in Orange Park or our Middleburg location, not really a big demand. Okay, so, so we got to look at, all right, what can we do different there on an exterior standpoint? You know, we have a couple golf cart parking spots because there's a lot of golf cart traveled in that area. And then going in, we really try to adapt to the population. If there's a big Jewish-based population, we want to add more Jewish-facing items, maybe more locks and bagels, expand mm-hmm. the bagel profile and the menu there to get maybe a, a better product um, if we can in any way, but give more of that options. You know, we're going to bring in the same. We're going, to, we're going to bring in those things that we typically might not offer at the other locations, but their demand in that market. Um, and then we like to play off of the existing location and what's there when we do the design, the, you know, the custom tables and booths, you know, our interior build out. We really don't want to go and just blanket, have one blueprint and stamp it out. Um, even if it's changing a little bit from location to location, the floor plan a little bit. We don't want it to look just like a sterile new modern boom space right i won't say any competitors but you feel like you're just kind of there and there's not that character there's not the hustle and bustle it's not as loud you know there's there's carpeted surfaces there's things of that nature you're going to see um we we really try to create that environment where you feel like you're kind of at your grandma's house a little bit a little different food in a comfortable space yeah i get it Mm -hmm. If nothing's too nice Yep. Right. Like even when we make like our booths, everything's custom made to fit the location. So price tags premium, but they come out weathered. Right. Cause we know once we get moving, we have a lot of kids, we have oh, a yeah. lot of volume, yep. things are going to get beat up a little bit. So if they're the, if it's into design to be strong and yeah. other that, you know, it's, it's really big on, on part of what we think about in the beginning. Um, because I'm a little bit OCD. I would like everything white and perfect, but knowing how things will turn out in a month, three months, a year, a couple of years, we try to play off of that from the beginning. So we do have a little rustic, shabby, chic vibe to it. Um, and it, it's like a nice Southern farmhouse um, at Grumpy's. And it's just where you feel comfortable. That's part of the brand also. A little patina never hurts, right? It never starts out spanky new, but then it looks like it's been worn and used and traditions and generations have been here all that kind of stuff that's very cool. definitely so when you're here you know and, yeah. and your child might spill a drink or something it's no big deal right it's not too nice it's not oh my goodness you know everyone's in trouble we're just go with the flow right you know you can't yeah. hurt it you know we we know but then again i'm on that that other side where i'm very big on the standards right so we may have custom deviation to the menu and, and custom things in the area and we're changing things or even a franchisee's favorite right? We have no problem putting that on the menu. If that's a custom creation and it's great, let's do it, right? You love it in your area, but let's run it. Um, so I'm really big on that, but very, very strict on the brand standards, quality, quality of service, quality of the food, uh, portion size, things of that nature. We, we do we do get a lot more involved and we really want to keep that as high as possible. Let me introduce you to GoTab. GoTab is a restaurant commerce platform with a suite of solutions, including POS, online ordering, mobile pay, and even a kitchen management tool. Now, you know I'm all about maximizing sales, but did you know that operators using the GoTab platform see 35 to 50% higher check averages and 20% higher tips? Wow, that can be a real game changer to your bottom line. Now, the GoTab platform empowers you, the operator, to run a leaner and more profitable business. Listen to what some current GoTab customers have to say. Kent says, with real-time analytics, we can manage our plate costs. When we switched to GoTab, we were able to lower our labor costs and increase wages. Ian shares that our chefs and managers love to use GoTab. The backend is well thought out, intuitive, and easy to use. While Keem adds that the GoTab team is always available for us and extremely responsive. Now, GoTab's flexible, easy-to-use solutions will simplify your operations, putting you in control of your restaurant's success. Visit GoTab.com slash Rockstars today to sign up for a free demo and get qualified to receive a complimentary meal. That's GoTab.com slash Rockstars. 
I'm really glad you mentioned that because again, part of the systems is cost controls, maximizing profit, offering value to the guest, all those sorts of things. And one of the biggest deviations in our business that isn't taken totally seriously by a lot of operators is the standard of portion controls. You got multiple people making the same thing. And this goes back decades ago, but I had a wood-fired pizzeria, as I mentioned to you. And one day I'm watching shortly after we opened and and we had one size pizza because we tried to be traditional to Italy where you get a one size personal pizza. Sure. And I noticed one person's putting 10 pieces of pepperoni on that pizza. Another person, I count, and there's 12 and then there's 14. And I go to my kitchen manager. I'm like, how many does the recipe call for? She's like 10. And I'm like, well, every time Bob and Sally or whoever they happen to be put two or three or four extra pieces of pepperoni and we're selling hundreds of pizzas a day because it was a very busy place. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. God, how's that impacting our our food cost and how is that lowering the profit on every pizza we sell? And and it just we had to systemize that and we had to systemize every menu item so that okay, here's the recipe card, here's the photograph of what it looks, this is what it calls for. And then we had check and balances. We had multiple people checking everything on the line, making sure that everything met that standard and the quality was there, the presentation was there but it was too recipe and too standard, you know, and that's a small thing, but it adds up over huge over time. Oh, no. So, and with turnover, it, it turns into a big thing, right? right? And even with us, sure. so our philosophy on portion size and things of that nature is, you know, we, one of our, one of our mottos and, and you know, kind of our mission in, in our mission of vision statement is to serve a working person's portion at a working class price. Yes. So a big part of our side orders and things of that nature is, you know, how big is the portion? Well, the portions always cover the plate, right? We're not going to get smaller plates, so we need bigger portions. So our portion control is a little bit different. When we hire new backhouse employees. They are really hesitant to put our portion size on the plate because they're not used to filling the whole spatula, right? On the right, yeah, it's, it's supposed to. Oh, yeah, mound it up. You know, you know, they're not used to throwing away things when a mistake is made. Let's say a steak, a little bit too burnt on one side, right? supposed to be medium. It, it's it's definitely well done. Don't flip it and sell it. Throw it out. And they get, I mean, I have to like convince them that it's not coming out of their paycheck. I promise you. It's okay. We would rather remake it correctly and give it to the customer hot, ready, and perfect than try to flip it over, right? You know, a lot of people, a lot of businesses and restaurants that that I've been around and a lot of employees over the last 15 years would say, there's no way none of my managers would ever let us start over. And I'm like, dude, hey, you are losing so much by giving a poor product to a guest who's already in your four walls. You know, they don't understand how hard it is to market and bring in new customers. So the ones that we have, we have to be great all the time. And it's kind of the same thing I preach with my son's youth football team that I coach, right? Greatness is everything. You have to be great all the time. Individual greatness, you know, is always, always the standard. And the same thing that I I approach a fry cook, a dishwasher, anything, take pride in what you're doing, keep the quality very high, and then you're kind of multiplying your, your odds of success, right? In anything that you do. But for us, we push it in the food industry or we push it on the football or baseball field or my daughter's volleyball team and be great. Right. Um, and it's okay to be great. And I, and I tell them all the time, and that goes into even our pay structure and how we motivate our, our staff and our culture in that sports setting and having the, the ability for, for cooks and, and servers and other employees to say, Hey, I've mastered X, Y, and Z, right? It's time for a raise or, or it's time for advancement. I want to get a management program, things of that nature. And I love those conversations. I tell them, put my back against the wall. Make me make it. Give me a choice that I don't have a choice. You're doing so great. There's no way I can tell you no, right? And those are the conversations I like to have. And usually when I do get cornered with a, you know, by an employee, it's a good conversation because they're ready. They know they're ready. And, and it kind of, they're, they're kind of motivating and training and advancing themselves at that point because they know I've done what it takes. I know how good I am, right? I know how much work I've done. And then those are great conversations to have. And that's why we try to push it through coaching and teaching and re-coaching and reteaching that's and then coaching. That's you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. So getting in all that, you know, it all plays in itself to the day-to-day operation. You can't have it, you know, I don't think you can have to the success without a lot of little pieces going 
going well and managing them at a high level. Um, so, so it's, it's a fun environment and we have a good time. You know, it's, it's, uh, the diner space is great. You know, um, short order cooking, six to eight minute ticket time. So you're always hustling and busting, keeping that quality, keeping that quality, right? Move it. It's not working. Throw it out. Burn those hash browns. Start over. You know, you can't fix them. It's not magic back there, right? Some, I, I've gotten served before sometimes. I'm like, what in the world are they trying to put together here? You know, but in the industry, sometimes, like you said, some people do it differently. Some managers will accept this, some won't. So if we maintain that high standard, I feel like we'll be very, we'll, we'll, we'll do very well, even, even given whatever's going on in the economic culture, right? Now, new franchisees are just raring to go and they've got a new business that they're starting and there's so much excitement around that, but there's also so much perhaps overwhelm and details and everything they've got to get right. And obviously they come into your facility and they train for a certain amount of time and they bring in their team to train and all of that. But at some point, maybe right up front, you have sort of a transmission of your culture to what they're thinking. You have to have, you obviously have a very strong company culture. I heard the sure. word greatness. I heard coaching. I heard quality. I heard never put out something you're not proud of that isn't perfect. Would you sum that up as being your culture or am I missing something? Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, that, that's a, All that's a big part of our culture that, you know, the one word I would use in our culture and the way we get I think our mission across to our employees and then our, and then our ultimately our customers is family um, doing things right, doing things how you would want them done for you and to your family. Right. If you're not going to serve that to your grandmother, we definitely don't want it going out. Right. You, and we give the, the employees the ability to make that call. You know, so many times I hear servers in our expediting window say, I need another set of hash browns. Those aren't crispy enough, or I need new pancakes. So they're too dark. You know, we, you can, once you start doing it for a while, you can tell it doesn't look right. It's not going to taste right. You know, it, it's, there's a, a very, if you're keeping that standard all the time, any deviation can be easily noticed. Yes. And the cooks are moving so fast sometimes that, yeah, they'll let, they'll throw some stuff up and then they're like, okay, yeah, we don't have a problem with anyone saying I need another, or that one looks kind of rough because it's, you know, it's A or B it's black or white, right? It's either perfect or it's not perfect. And that's kind of how I want them. And we start on day one with that. It's either perfect or it's not perfect. Eh, it looks okay. No, we don't want it. And then the standard's there. So it's really not a, a bad thing or a big loss of food waste or anything because they, they learn the standard quickly, right? They're like, oh, this, they don't play around. This is how they want it. That's how they're going to get it. Um, and we find people that maybe that doesn't work with them and they find out kind of real quick. It doesn't work for them. And usually yeah. that's in the prior to. That sounds wonderful in theory. And obviously you've got a track record of it working in your business, but let's take the average restaurant where teamwork and respect and chemistry between front and back of house has to be there. And in the heat of the kitchen, when the tickets are spilling out onto the floor and it's 800 degree stove, you know what I'm saying? And this person's under pressure to keep the ticket times within that reasonable mm -hmm. amount. And then all of a sudden some server approaches the line, like at the wrong time or in the middle of the yeah. heat, you know how it is. It's like, how do you overcome that? And it's like human nature is to somehow get elevated, a little pressure, a little stress, no matter how even keel someone is, everybody has a boiling point. So that front of house, back of house dynamic has to be maintained and there has to be respect and there has to be, how does that work? How did you make it work? For us, you know, I, I use the phrase, you know, consistent daily action. So we're continually, when things of that nature happen, um, we're solving that problem. We're not letting that fester and build over and become, become the new culture, right? Trust me, not every day is perfect. You know, there, there's no perfect day. That's why, you know, in our franchise program, before a franchisee even signs up with us or they want to hand over a check, I tell them, keep it. Come spend a weekend with us. They go to the kitchen. They spend it in the kitchen. They don't talk to me, management. They're with the grill cook. We usually put them on the grill, right? Because um, it's a, it's right in the middle. It's hot. It's very busy because, you know, a lot of things have pancakes, hash browns, home fries. So you're cooking pretty much an item for every order. So there's nowhere to go and you're in the middle. You can't run off when you need a drink or, you know, you're, you're hollering to your server friends. Can I get a water? 
can I get, you know, can we, can yes. we get, you know, can right. we get a, a lemonade me, in a, in a cup, cup keep me you know, hydrated. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so you're, you're locked in and so you're feeling, you're feeling the heat, you're feeling everything. Right. And they'll be with the cook. He might be having a bad day. She might be having, you know, the, the, the egg cook uh, next to him. She might be having a, a terrible day that nothing's working. Every egg, she can't flip them today. Her wrist is hurting. It's super hot. AC's not working. It's a hundred, you know, record heat in Florida. Right. And, right. Oh my goodness. You know, if yes. You, if you can maintain and you enjoy and you thrive off of that. Right. And even through the ups and downs, the mistakes, all that we get heated, we can we can pull it back and you're able to turn that into a positive quality shift. And you say, wow, I like it. Then, then, then we go forward. Right. Same thing when we're, when we're teaching the management, not every day is going to be perfect, but it's how we end the day, right? And then start the next one. So there might be patches where sometimes we call it the one o'clock meltdown here. Um, you get a lot of lunch orders in. There's a lot of steps to our sandwiches. It slows us down a little bit. Not much eggs. So the people that were there cooking eggs, they try to help and transition in another station, but it's tight. And it just takes more steps to build, you know, our roast turkey club than it does to serve, you know, some scrambled scrambled eggs and toast. It's just a lot. That's a lot easier and quicker, right? Get that out. Four minutes, no problem. Plate's beautiful. Everyone loves it. Uh, but then when we start talking about our roast turkey club and modifiers and things of that nature, you know, we have a triple decker sandwich. It's there's a lot of a lot of parts there. Um, it's really about being proactive, being positive and attacking that, knowing that that's going to happen every day. Right. Knowing that if you're running short from the morning, you need to be proactive on communication and order accuracy and no remakes, things of that nature. Try to combat some of that to where. No, we're just going to be in a bad mood because we're running a, a line cook short today and everyone's got to do the cleaning and work harder. And like, we're all mad about it. And then you get to the, you know, we've been on a wait all day long. And now everyone wants to have just a big, big brawl in the whole restaurant, right? You know, but it's 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 being proactive and knowing that, hey, they've been short. And that's why in our training program, our general managers, assistant general managers, our front of house managers go through eight week training in our back of house. So they can assist in any position in any area. Same thing Excellent. with our franchisees. Mm -hmm. So those days that could turn into a really bad day. Well, your, your back house team's more confident that it's not going to be a bad day because you have the ability of assisting. You can't, you're not just in the front of house saying, um, you know, I need that pizza, but you don't, don't, don't know how to make the pizza or toss the dough. So you can't come back and help. So that 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 actually adds fire to the problem, right? People are like, you know, the owner can't even come back here. It's you know, no, they don't have that excuse, right? So that's and that's part of how we really gain that respect is when the employees see us treating our business, you know, like our home, and we'll we do we can do every task. That's um, you gain a lot of respect that way through them, through the work, through the knowledge, right? And then doing it on a, on a repetitive basis where. There's no job too big or too small. We're going to jump in anywhere needed. And that's how our training program, our manager and training program is designed, is to take our franchisees through those steps for the owner operators and then take our general managers through those same steps and so on and so forth. So there's a program down for each position, down to host, busser, things of that nature. Really OCD on the training, the training programs and the, and the training process. So we invest a lot in, in training and development, but we think it's invaluable. I mean, you, I don't think you can do that. Wow, there's a lot to lot to absorb there and a lot that we can all take um, in a practice in our organizations, just from what you just said. It's, that's great advice. Fantastic, Dan. Now, with a finance sort of background, you must be really hyper-focused on the numbers. And what are you looking at day-to-day -day in your store and in other stores that are part of the franchise to maintain that certain sweet spot, I call it? Obviously, food... Um, and labor costs are the biggest expenses in your business and there's inflation and there's high labor costs and all this kind of stuff. Sure. So there are certain efficiencies that we mm -hmm. can put in place to sort of combat those things that are out of our control. Cause you got to pay your line cooks, you know, higher than we ever paid a couple of years ever. ago. Mm -hmm. And now the eggs that went crazy, not so long mm -hmm. ago, it's like, what did you back do up to a little bit? Yeah. Tell us, let's talk all about the, the financial yeah. so the, control. On the, the analytics side. 
yeah, looking on the analytic, the financial side is is a whole other side to the business. So I talk about operations a lot, and you have mm-hmm. to be very good in multiple different areas to be yes. ultimately a great franchisee and a great operator of any full service restaurant or any business anywhere. I think you have to wear multiple hats to really, really, I think, excel in, in being a small business owner. Um, so on a day to day, what I look at, like literally every, well, I would say morning, but I with the apps and everything now, I'm. I'm trying, you know, as the, you know, the, the second the stores close, you, you get in every number that that you any any type of metrics you'd want to see, right? It's very easy to get. But what I really look at, of course, I look at sales, overall sales. But mm-hmm. for me, it's traffic. Um, so I I really look at the the, the check the transaction counts. How many tables are we doing a day? Um, and it always like the, the main thing is you always want to be positive, positive growth. You know, it, it's a tough saying, but if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Um, we always want to be growing, 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 like pushing, pushing, repeat customers, more frequent, right? People love the brand. They love the product. They're going to come back. If it's awesome, they'll come back. You know, I, I really preach that we're an experience-based brand and the metrics to really measure that is traffic, right? You want that experience more and more if you love it. Um, you know, sales can be impacted by prices and, 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 you know, any promotions and things of that nature. So sales are a great number and you have to have it, but the number one thing I'm really tracking is traffic. Um, And then then I go a little granular from there and look at each store's day part, you know, how do we do at breakfast? How do we do at lunch? You know, things of that nature. But for me, it's number one is traffic. And and I'll preach that a lot. And table turns clearly falls into that, right? We talked about the consistent short ticket, you know, ticket times and all that. And you don't want anyone camping at tables. You want them to have a pleasant experience. You don't want them to feel rushed yet. You literally got to keep the tables moving because people are constantly coming in the door. And that's a real balance to meet as well. And so that's a key performance indicator. Okay. Sales Mm -hmm. is impacted by number of guests, traffic, table turns, all that kind of stuff. And keeping that flowing is challenging, but is there, you know, are there positive trends that you notice where it's pretty consistent from day to day? Obviously, weekends, maybe Saturdays and Sundays are obviously much busier than say a Tuesday or Wednesday, but we still do have an oddly consistent business. And as we yeah. open even the store, I mean, almost predictable to within like $50 of sales. That's and the stores do, yeah, the stores do so like. It is amazing how close in the, that and the, you know, they could be 45, 50 miles apart, yeah. but the trend is like almost the exact same on That's the day. You know, it's funny how that works. And knock on wood, we're very blessed and very lucky. That's um, a magic formula you got going there. <laughs> it, it, it's worked very good. All the stores will do right over, you know, over $3 million this year. They're all, they're all pacing over $3 million, which is great. Um, and we do breakfast and lunch, right? We close at two o'clock every day. And you talked about the table turn time, right? Mm -hmm. So during Monday through Friday, the table turn is really not an issue for us um, because people have somewhere to go, right? You're coming in for breakfast, you're usually going to work or or you're going to do run errands, right? You're coming for lunch, you either got to go back to work or you got to get to somewhere, right? Good point. Um, Weekends, people sit a little longer. Our demographic actually changes going into the weekend to younger and more families opposed to business and retirees and things of that nature. So your tables are going to be a little longer on the weekends and larger of the parties. Um, but during the week, typically we don't have to rush anybody out of here because, you know, they have somewhere to go. So we don't hold right. them hostage. One of our things, we'll deliver the check halfway through the meal. And some people would look at that as, oh, you're rushing me, right? But the, the way it's presented is we'll take it whenever you're ready because we know you have to get back to work, right? We know you have to get to work. You might be stopping in before work. So people don't have the luxury of sitting for an hour, hour and a half when you're, when it's breakfast and lunch. So we find that we kind of train the employees and the employees train us to get them in and get them out because they don't want to wait for us because they have somewhere to be. So we don't want to hold them up. Um, and it's a little different when we bring on servers, like you want me to bring the check now? And we're like, Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, it's uncomfortable because typically dinner restaurant, you're not getting it until maybe even plates are cleared. And then we're talking about the check. Uh, but with here, where we don't have we don't have a lot of dessert, uh, well, we don't sell a lot of dessert. One, our portions are very yes, hefty. That's right. right. And then our, and then with our day part, it, it's a little less on the dessert in general. So we're not. We'll take the check back and re-ring it. Need be if we need to add anything, no problem. But it's a way that we have our steps of service design to where it's very comfortable. Um, and I, and I think a lot of people appreciate that. 
And then we're able to really facilitate that 38 minute turn time, which is huge to us. Um, and it, it's really, and we have a lot of customers that are like, Hey, I'm gonna get out of here. I see you guys are on a wait. You know, I don't want to hold understand. you up. Oh, really? We have plenty of time. Like yeah. take your time. There's no, there's no rush at all. You know, it's all part of the design. And of course you mentioned campers and a couple people may stay long. Couple, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. It usually averages very nice and very consistent over time. Um, so, you know, it, it's a cool metrics to look at. Um, and then I see that through the transaction count. I can tell how the day went by how many trend transactions the stores are doing, right? And then that, that'll tell you, okay, table turn times were good if I'm able to hit over X. If we don't get over X, I, that means, okay, maybe ticket times were a little long. We had some issues. We, maybe we ran a person or two short, slowed us down a little bit. There, there's going to be an indicator where you can see, well, why was it just so slow today? Right. Why didn't we hit 200 turns? Um, what was the reason? Were they just that slow? And trust me, there's been there's slow days, right? Always. But typically with all the stores, it's usually slow together, weather dependent or event dependent. You know, right when uh it's funny when college football starts on Saturdays, our our, our you know, games are at noon and at one o'clock. Right. We're in Florida Gator, Florida Seminoles. Uh-huh. We even have this, the UCF, a lot of college football here. I mean, it's it is loved. And you see that a little bit when it started, it was starting. Yeah. So don't worry. Once Got to get home, one watch or two the game. Games. Yeah. Well, once they lose one or two, the sales will be right back. No, no, I'm just teasing, you know? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but it, it, it's fun to watch. You know, you see it a little bit, the trends that are very similar with each each store. Um, so it, it, it's cool from an analytical standpoint to look at that type of stuff. Some people who aren't as nerdy might think, oh, I'd rather just talk to customers, which is more fun. I agree. But I find myself in the back looking at things like that. Okay, so whether you got one store, five stores, or fifty stores, you regularly meet with your, you know, your franchisees and perhaps their GMs and that sort of thing. Do you have like regular Zoom calls, or do you meet in person, or how often do you meet? And you you have an agenda. You go over these metrics, and it's like, okay, sure. we debrief what happened last week, and now we're going to plan ahead for this week and control what we can control. But is this what well, we pride doing? ourselves in, in my vision for franchising? This can go. Mm-hmm. Maybe a whole other call on this. So yeah. I, I'm an I'm an, I'm a new age version of franchising. I look at it coming from being a franchisee, where in some of the brands I was involved with had very little to no support or contact, right? So and left you kind of on an island to figure it out. You know, seven days training, two days corporate support. Good luck, right? Um, we want to go the exact opposite of that. So our vision is the reason we haven't opened 10 corporate stores and things of that is because we really don't want to have two competing visions, our plan to grow through franchising and our plan to grow through corporate stores. Where am I going to spend most of our time, energy, and resources, right? I think that time, energy, and resources is due to the franchisee. And you should be here to support, help grow, and help assist the franchisee need be whatever. So I we are like open door. I talk to franchises every day, all day throughout the day. Small issues with the point of sale. Maybe they have a button that's acting weird. How do I change it real quick? We can help, you know, with our experience, we can help them change that in literally one minute where they could call tech support, get a ticket put in. And, you know, that tech might never have seen that. It could be a two-day event. And we're like, oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, what a unflag, hassle. unflag X, you're done. You know, somehow you know, power went out and when it booted back up, something was something somehow switched, right? So we're in contact literally daily via email, via phone, whatever it may be with us and our corporate staff. Uh, and then we, we do do like PL meetings. Uh, we're, we're starting standing Zoom calls so people don't have to come to the corporate office. We can just do everything over Zoom mm-hmm. uh, when, when they'd like, but we always are going to have. If, if able, you know, person-to-person meetings, we think we can get a lot done. And I like going to the stores um, personally. I think that's where we should be. So we offer as much contact as a franchisee would like. Like I have a um, great operator, great friend of mine, Del Horde in a Middleburg location. We don't talk as much. I might not go to a store for six months. Del runs an amazing operation. He is the pinnacle of what you want for a franchisee. He does great. 
finance, his financial performance is great. His store volume is great. His reviews, 4.8, 4.9 across all platforms. Sweet. He, lead, he leads in every metrics, the right? Benchmark, yeah. I don't need to go bother that guy. You know, when I, I want to see him outside of the restaurants, I see his kids play baseball, basketball. So we'll see, we see each other often. Um, yes. But, you know, that that awesome. is, and then we have our newer franchisees who I might be in contact with every day, right? Assisting with questions from the smallest thing to we need to, how do we restructure our schedule to add a person here and there, but I don't want to pay $1,000 a week more in labor. Okay, we, we got to take a look, right? We need to really, let, let's see how we can work this and see where we can get our percentages and we can change some in time. Let's go look at the numbers and see sales every 15 minutes, what the trends are, what's upcoming in the next week. So we can get really granular and spend hours together. Or, you know, Dell Dell will call me with something, you know, hey, you want to do a joint promotion? Sure, let's do this. Let, let, let's sponsor the football team, you know, whatever, whatever we want to do locally or anything together. Our conversations are are really just hey as needed, uh, but we we leave it really open to the franchisee. You may not need anything today, but if you have any issue, we're going to be right there with you. And and that same thing when we're doing the site selection, build out, lease negotiation, we're right there. We don't want you to go at it and figure it out for your first time, right? If it's your first franchise, mm-hmm. we want to assist you every step of the way, make sure you're making the best decisions, and we're 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 feeling good about. It. I think we can really. Uh, you know, two brains are better than one approach and you may see something great that I miss or you, you might like it. I, we won't, you know, think, but we want to bounce it off each other to make sure everything's going to work perfect and in sync. Yeah, that's wonderful because obviously the larger a franchise grows, then suddenly it becomes more and more corporate and the personal touch is somewhat lost. And now you got layers of people to get through to get your answers and get your problems solved. And you're still very actively involved in taking a personal interest in everyone's own business. And that seems to me like it's very gratifying for you. It keeps you in touch with what's happening at the store level. You feel useful and helpful. And just watching people succeed is it probably lights you up all the time and you see their successes and you're part of that success and you're just proud of them and what they achieve. And you watch people go from point A to your benchmark franchisee and everyone wants to aspire to that level and then maybe open up additional locations and just grow. And it's all organic and authentic. And and that's that's the plan now, you know, all of our franchisees are, 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 are happy with the performance and the brand and they're looking at wanting to do potential second locations. They're not multi-unit fran- They didn't come in as multi-unit franchisees. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. the multi-unit's a totally different aspect. Um, and we're kind of approaching them like, yeah, you're, you're ready. You could do it, you know, but you know, some of the franchises, they don't know what that looks like. How does my, how does my daily change? How do I structure things? What do I do? And that's where we come in again. And we kind of are starting from the beginning, right? Because multi-unit ownership is different than single unit operation, right? You're going to be really working from here up top, working on your business, not in your business. And for some people, that's that may not be what they want, right? It may not be what they're comfortable with doing, mm-hmm. or they want to be in the store all the time, but there's two stores now and they're just never home anymore, right? right? They're right. just living, yeah. you know, some people, it's very hard to pull back and, and manage from, from meetings and from behind the scenes and not be on the floor every shift every day. Um, like our great operators, I mean, they're on the floor every shift every day, but they, you know, they like it. They, I mean, that's where they want to be. They they yes. understand that is all that matters, right? Everything else we can work out later. I tell them, hey, you're a little behind on your PL. Not good, but if we're breaking records out there, right? Let's make sure we're we're doing everything we can. It's a new store opening. We're in the third month. We'll, we'll figure the P&Ls out. We'll get there. Let's just keep making all these people happy. And, uh, and I'm pretty confident everything will work itself out. If we're following the system as we have it, the numbers will and the P&L will fall in line as long as we're continually growing. We have quality ratings. We're doing all the right things. Typically, it makes your, your operation, your financial performance a lot easier you know, to, to look at. We talked about culture, Dan, and that is such an impact on the quality of the experience that the guest receives, of course. But 
Let's talk about labor and the challenges that so many operators are having right now. Are you, you've built a culture that tends to reward people and keep people and it's a happy place and there's team spirit. I'm getting that sense, which means your longevity is going up and turnover is going down, but you still have a need to find new people and your franchisees will have to find new people. Are there challenges going on right now? Are they struggling with that? You know, the challenge is not to staff the store, but, but I think, you know, the, in reality, in life, there's always a bottom 5%. And I think that bottom 5% has increased to the bottom 30%. Uh-huh. Um, not being that more people are poor workers, or I think more people really don't want to work that much. So the problem that, that we see is some people, they don't really want to work full time. And they don't, you know, it, it's, you know, raises may not even motivate them. The, the culture is a little bit different. They want They want a good environment to work in. You know, they, they, they want a good place, you know, good family to be around. You know, spend a lot of time here. Um, we've always been really proactive with hiring. We were always paying, you know, $15 an hour average before the pandemic. And, and our family culture really got tested by the pandemic. So during the pandemic, you know, we didn't lay off anyone. We paid everyone through. Um, we created an employee relief fund, put my salary for months in there, you know, Fantastic. plus additional funds. Yeah. I mean, we literally had customers dropping money off to to donate to the fund, and, and it was just uh, amazing. But we really got that tested, is. right? You know, there to see what how far we go for the staff. Now, granted, I didn't think it would go as long as it did. I thought it was two weeks, but you know, but uh, but um, you know, no, no one no, knew. Yeah, it was a little bit longer, so it was really a, a stretch. But we did not lay anyone. And when you know, when the pandemic pulled back a little, we hit the ground rolling with full staff just as we did, like, like nothing changed. Um, and then that's kind of the approach now, even when we're, when we're approaching staffing, we're always hiring and growing our teams and we're never full, right? We're always adding a great character, great attitude to our family that we will find a spot, but there's just no way around it. We literally, we tell people to come interview any day at two o'clock, uh, we close at two and even when we do have like, you know, hiring ads out, we tell them the same thing. Come at two o'clock. We will definitely do an interview because you never know, you know, the next best employee could, could be have availability now. And last month when you needed two people, they they were not in the area. You know, you don't want to miss that opportunity. So you have to constantly be, be approaching that uh, and sometimes creating positions that maybe you don't need today, but tomorrow in this industry, we most likely will need something. Um, but it's tough to do that when you have, like you mentioned, the big corporate approach where you have a number. And if you go 1% over that labor number or something, you know, your potential employment is could be at question. But for us, we we really feed off of that. Continue to grow, grow, grow. And then, then you're looking at shrinking that bottom 30%, right? And you know, and then you're you're constantly promoting and growing. And and then in you know, in a, in a month, two months, a quarter, a year, you look back, you say, wow, look at how great of a team I was able to develop, opposed to needing three people but only bringing on one. Needing three but only bringing on one. And you're always behind the curve. Yes. Uh, yes. We're very proactive. Well, there's a lesson unto itself, being proactive, not reactive in all aspects of your business. And gosh, the peace of mind that gives you as opposed to too much of this business is about, okay, the unexpected happens. Now I got another fire to put out versus I thought about that in advance and we've got a plan for that. You know, the unexpected, we know that this could happen. This could happen. The POS goes down, whatever it is. It's like, we've got a backup plan and that's just smart. So proactive, that's the key. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Let's go back to the value proposition of your guests, because we talked about large portions. We talked about reasonable prices. We talked about who the target customer is, what they've come to expect from Grumpy's. And now you've had all these things outside your control. And there's only so far that you can raise your prices just to maintain your margins without alienating that customer that still wants to see value. They've been coming to you for years. I always paid X for that order of pancakes with home fries. And now suddenly... I've seen it go up two, three times. Like, what's your balance there? Yeah, that that's challenging. Um, because any way you hide it, customers are going to see see the increase. There, there's no way around it. You know, anywhere um, from fast food to fine dining to to us, there, there's we, there's no magic way to to hide the price increase. And we've had to take them. You know, um, 
our philosophy on the prices is to be the the, the industry lagger and really see how it don't make any reactionary price increases. Let's see where it goes and let the big dogs make the first move, right? Well, let's see what happens. And Good. um yep. and, and not just to, to just to copy them, um, because you know our pricing is different than, than anywhere, but it's it's really to see where things are going to go in the long term. It's such an unpredictable environment out there. Even looking at the commodities market, it's crazy. You yeah, know, volatility. Oh, the volatility is every, you know, so you don't want to go too crazy or too big too early and then price yourself out of the market. So the customers see the increase, right? So the way I think the best way to combat it is creating an experience and creating value through other ways, not just the value on, let's say, the quality of the egg, but the quality of the experience. Um, And I tell people, even before this, we're an experience-based brand. You know, we don't have any TVs. We, we we don't have anything like that. We have conversation, quality servers, hostess, management for our guests to interact with. We we are very, uh, you know, I, I listened to the episode with John Taffer, and we are on the exact same page with uh, very low technology in the front of house mm-hmm. and all of our technology in the back of house. So we don't do pay at the table, order at the table, things of that nature. Our menus are not on a on a where you have to just scan a QR code and look at it yourself on your own phone or on a tablet or anything like that. We are much of the old school with guest interaction. Um, And it goes even further to, we don't do the paging when your table's ready on your cell phone or text message. We like to go get the customer and bring them into the restaurant. Personal touch. Yep. Yeah. Personal touch. I I fought that, you know, they've always wanted us to do that, but I, you know, it's just not the same. I did bend and put a mic so we could call parties could hear us a little better. But the, the goal is we still open the door and walk them to the table, right? So we're still going to greet and get the customer and mm. bring them into the restaurant and then introduce them to their table and let them know their server will be there with them. And then now the experience has started, right? The touch point is already guest interaction um, opposed to texting a number and they just show up. I'm Dan. And then, oh, table 27. And then we just walk them to 27. You know, That's... we're, we're going to reach to the door, open the door for you, and then walk you to your table. Um, and then it goes that aspect at the table, right? It, it's 100% guest interaction, full service. Um, and, you know, we really want to build that one-on-one and that repeat customer, that first name basis. So really big on introducing the servers by name, getting to know the customers, especially in the early mornings where there's a lot of uh, parties of, of individual guests. And that could be good and bad, right? Some people, you know, are nervous about being by themselves out out to eat. You know, they, they you mm-hmm. know, and some people want are looking for a little bit of rapport and companionship and things of that nature. And we try to build that wherever we can. You know, you were you were giving us a crash course in the basics of hospitality right there. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. nothing genius, no, nothing no. magical created here, yeah. but. Knowing what customers like, I, I feel like I'm not Gordon Ramsay. I'm not John Taffer. They are the experts. They know everything. But I feel like what I like and the way I like to be treated and served and the food I like, a lot of people like that also. Definitely true. So I try to replicate that yes. and learn from those those people, right? Learn from these podcasts um, that I constantly listen to, which is cool to be on one that I was already following Thank you. and listening to beforehand, which is pretty cool that I was like, restaurant rocks. I listen to that, you know, like, I know that I know, I know these podcasts, you know, I, I know John Taffer he was on there. I'm going on there. What? You know, you know, uh, I, I love our rescue. You know, I love the, you know, these guys. Uh, so it, it's cool. It's cool to see, but it's nothing. It's it just content, consistent daily action on those on those deliverables of quality, quality, quality throughout all the operations, right? Your host, your service, your food, your cleanliness, your restrooms, your janitorial service, all these little things firing at once, right? That's where it becomes cumbersome. 
but training and being really good at that operations um, is the key. And I, and I think that's how you just continue to drive. Dan, you're a huge inspiration to our industry and everyone can take cues from everything you've said today. All those nuggets of information that those little things mean a lot. It impacts the guest experience. It leads to success in your business. And it was all about leadership and hospitality. So I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure entirely. Thanks, audience, for tuning in. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Can't wait to see you next time. So please stay tuned and stay well. Take care. Thanks, Dan. That was absolutely terrific. You know, it's amazing how you you apply the basics of treating people the way you want to be treated and just caring so much about the quality and the pricing and being reasonable and becoming a friendly local neighborhood place and then expanding that business, having a vision for a brand. You covered so much ground today and it is very inspiring to our audience. So thanks for sharing. Thank you again to our sponsors this week. Thank you audience for once again tuning in. We're so happy you're here. We'll see you next time. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons, for fun, celebration, for family, for lifestyle. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's hard to find great staff. Costs are rising and profits are disappearing. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants that I've now sold for millions of dollars. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. I created a game-changing system, and it's filled with everything I've learned in over 20 years running super-profitable, super-fun restaurants. Everything from creating high-profit menu items and cost controls to staff training where your teams serve and sell, to marketing hooks, money maximizing tips, and efficiencies across your operation. What does this mean to you? More money to invest in your restaurant, to hire a management team, time freedom, and peace of mind. You don't just want to run a restaurant, you want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy and I'll show you how it's done. listening to the restaurant rockstars podcast for lots of great resources head over to restaurantrockstars.com see you next time